passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the post-wrestling site. A-E-W, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. It's Wednesday night. Rewind to Dynamite. I am John Pollock with Wei Ting. Hello, Wei. Hey, John. How you doing? I'm doing well. I've missed you. <laughs> really? Kevin, <laughs> this is only our first show today. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's unlike uh, previous days where we've had to do twice a day. So I've never heard you say that on a, <laughs> on a to start one of our shows. It kind of caught, caught me off guard, but... Um, it's nice to hear. Wow. Yeah, I, I've missed you too. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I, I can definitely tell. You, <laughs> you can break the fourth wall here that the, the last couple of days, you have not missed me when we have had to start some of these shows. Can, oh, can we be, be honest no. with the listeners out there. They want to know. You, uh, you've been a little sick of uh, all this uh, recording with me. Well, it's got nothing to to do with you specifically. If you wanted to call up to have a, a conversation about life, I'd be more than happy to entertain. But I, I'd start, I don't miss... Uh, you know, waking up in the morning to watch, you know, five Japanese matches before the rest of the stuff we have to do. I want to know how Bachelor in Paradise was on Tuesday night. Uh, it was a very satisfying conclusion to a very drama-filled season. Yeah. Oh, it's over. This was the end. It was the finale. A three-hour finale, John. Get out of here. It was three Dude, hours? These I things... cannot imagine. Did you watch it all? You think wrestling pumps out a lot of content? This season started off with, like... Two hour episodes on a Monday and a Tuesday, and then like they kind of eased off and did only like two hours for like a few weeks. But then the season finale, the the last two episodes were three hours each, and I was there for all of it, dude. It was like it, it's 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 terribly trashy but incredibly gripping reality TV. Is there a winner? Is it like is there a couple that emerges? Like what is the what is the end goal? So you know this now I can't believe I'm even talking about this shit. But so so you know the there is the bachelor. Are you familiar with the concept yes, of, of the yes. bachelor? One person basically like several people can contest for like the affections of one person and at the end they have to get engaged. So throughout all this this these processes of like these bachelors and bachelorettes, you know, um cre- creating all these different contestants, you kind of create a bachelor universe. And Bachelor in Paradise is where you take all the contestants who are not hooked up and you put them all on an island so that they can hook up with each other. And rather than, I guess, one person, you know, getting kind of like uh, courted, everybody gets to date each other. And at the end, you end up with multiple couples, potentially. 
and of course multiple engagements as well. So that's how it ended. There were there were several couples coming out of this three hour finale. Yeah. Well, who's gonna make it? Who do you think has the best shot? None of them. Uh, are you kidding me? Like they've oh. only met, they've only known each other for a month. None of them are gonna make it. Are you kidding me? What could go wrong? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It, but you know what fascinates me is as much as it, like as much as I think like the reality TV is just is interesting because they they just make it very just amusingly addictive. Um, it's the culture surrounding it that is just so incredibly deep too. You know, like we think that we in pro wrestling have like a pretty crazy system of like journalism. I mean, The Bachelor, like that stuff is crazy. Like they make charts and data about like how many followers people have gained after after every single episode. Like the rumor mill is crazy. Tea spilling tea, as they call it. Um, like you know this person was spotted on this person's instagram this person tagged this other person so they must be cheating on this person it's it's insane dude it's like it's high school but times a million for the whole world to see wow well this this sounds fascinating not enough that i would ever jump into this kind of thing but i'm uh intrigued nonetheless yeah it's not so i'm sorry i disturbed you because on tuesday night uh i i was busy sending you von wagner promos and you just responded that uh at what you were watching, and you probably made the <laughs> wiser choice of what to spend your Tuesday night watching. Well, I ended up catching NXT after the fact, but um, uh, you know, I don't know if that would have held my attention for three hours. I know that there are going to be some that it's just um, they are always going to find the, the good. Dude, this NXT show, it's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I don't know if it's designed to be um, competitive. Like, yeah, sure. I don't know. I don't know if Raw is designed to be good anymore either, but I, I, I think more this, and more. This is nowhere. Raw can certainly have its its negatives, but I'm watching this and I'm watching a time warp of pro wrestling. And I don't know if I think at times this new format kind of gets a pass because it's well, this is this is best suited for WWE's needs. And to me, it would be like a a hockey team that has fallen in love with like the neutral zone trap because it was successful for a time, but every team and every coach is so far ahead of this system that it's a completely irrelevant way of playing nowadays to be competitive. So are we going to award this system that is just, it just, I, I cannot even begin to compare nights from Tuesday to Wednesday night, but it just feels like I am watching um, WWE's tribute to women of wrestling or glow. And that is our Tuesday night, two hour offering with the professional poker player, the, uh, Sopranos guy. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's just practice, dude. We're watching like their promo classes. We're watching their, I don't know, care, uh, character development classes. Um, and we're, we're seeing like ideas that, you know, clear, clearly are, are created in, in those systems come out onto TV. And, um, it's at this point, um, you know, you, you bring up an interesting analogy of like maybe a team kind of using an old system to sort, sort of develop their new players and what you might contend to be sort of a, a losing system, but, if you're the WWE, you're looking at the score and you're making record profits. So they are winning. And, and, and you know, critical acclaim is, is a whole different thing that clearly they're not paying that much attention to, at least online. 
Um, but in well, terms well, this, of this show is, is not winning. It's going in the opposite direction of where things were. And we saw for the fourth straight week, a lower number than the week before. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. And I wonder how they will address it. But ultimately, I, I feel like it's it's still a show that at least addresses a major issue with the prior NXT. And it's that whatever this show was spending its time developing was not being used on the main roster. Um, unlike <laughs> as ridiculous as some of these characters are like Dude, there's some wacky ones here. I mean, Duke Hudson yeah. is now a professional poker player. Um, Parker Boudreaux debuted uh, looking like uh, he was auditioning for the lead spot in Disturbed, uh, staring down Joe Gacy. Uh, Tony D'Angelo, I will say this. It's a totally campy gimmick, but it did get over to that audience for for his match uh, with Malik Black. My favorite, though, is that Cora Jade's gimmick now is she is young. And what embodies youth? Skateboard. Well, we already have a skateboard wrestler on this show, yet I don't necessarily think you think of, you know, like, um, kid when you think of Darby Allen. Like, you think, oh boy, this 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 is a man dealing with the trauma of losing an uncle in a drunk driving accident. Um, this, the, the Cora Jade we had was more of like a, a kid going to school, I guess, on a, on a penny board. Um with a boyfriend in high school like it's 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 a cartoon like that's what nxt 2.0 is but my i i don't know if this guy is going to have the same appeal to me but i find von wagner to be my new guilty pleasure like this guy is the most wooden speaker but i it's either going to be totally pan this guy or there's going to be some like novelty to him that is just uh, endearing in some way because when I watch this guy talk, it is just the most unique experience. <laughs> and I, how often do I send you things? Well, I, not very often, but Von Wagner was enough that just watch him. You can trust me because that's all you've got right now. Uh, you know, again, it, I think this is what you get when you basically are treated with, you know, an hour of practice. For a very young, very green roster, just you know, getting their reps in for the first time on TV, and uh, it's going to result in pretty, I would say, embarrassing footage probably for them later on in their careers. Um, if we're talking bad acting, I I feel like my award went to Persia, Indy Hartwell's best friend. Yes. Suddenly, yes. like some of the like they had a whole thing where they had to basically allude to like uh, Dexter Loomis's penis size and. I mean, the script itself probably wasn't great, but the delivery really made it all the more awkward. Um, but again, this is like, these are, for a lot of these people, their first time being on TV doing this type of thing. And, you know, more and more, I think everybody is starting to realize this is very different from the NXT that we were watching before, even in terms of what we should expect. And I think you're seeing that reflected in the rating. You know, people are starting to tune out because they realize this is practice and I'm not going to get great wrestling here. I'm going to get very subpar acting. Um, and that's not going to hold many people's interest. But ultimately, it's the type of system that they want for de developmental. Uh, that is it. Like, it's um, it's the vision that is most consistent with the product that they are trying to sell on a larger scale. Um, they did announce Halloween Havoc for October 26th. And they're going to do the Tommaso Ciampa-Braun Breaker match. 
And I think Braun Breaker, you can certainly see that he has been the the focused um, new act of NXT 2.0. So that will be an interesting match. And Halloween Havoc uh, drew very well for them a year ago. Now, it was a very different product. But if you watch that Halloween Havoc show, I mean, that was where they did all the zombie stuff with Cameron Grimes and Dexter Loomis. Like, it was a lot of campy stuff, too. It did very well. And they've never done as big a number since that show last October. And uh, so that's the big show that they're building to. Yeah, well, you would figure, like, you know, what, what sort of ghoulish characters do they really have right now? And, I mean, the biggest one is Mei Ying. And her whole thing just felt like it was being completely written off after yesterday. Are they going to have people show up in Halloween costumes and Joe Gacy is going to gauge how offensive they are? Um, I'm sure he will somehow get involved. Yeah, you can't you can't dress as this. This is appropriation of some. Like I, yeah, maybe they'll do some sort of skit like that, but it it's an interesting time in this company, and I I think more and more like it. I'm I'm almost even um amused that you know we're at least talking about it, and that you know even prior to entering the the chat room here, Hanzi was was commenting on it, and um it's still at the point where people are interested in marveling at at the changes of this company, but of this NXT product, but I I think we'll eventually get to a point where we won't even talk about it. Yeah, they did 632,000 viewers on Tuesday, 0.13 in the demo. Uh, So that demo, it's not their lowest of the year, but it is in the ballpark of their lowest this year. Now, they were going against that giant Red Sox-Yankees game, so that that was significant. Uh, But they were down for the fourth consecutive week since the the revamp revamp that they've been down each week. Uh, Maybe the answer is Canada way, because in Canada, uh, their numbers were up. They were up like 25% in viewers. They did 73,000. On Sportsnet 360, so this is this is striking a chord with Canadians. I wonder what it is. There's no there's no Mountie on this show yet, dude. The Canadian numbers. It's a smaller sample, but it's it, like sometimes you get these wide variances, and it's it's very hard to find patterns. They, sometimes they do not correlate at all with the U.S. Sometimes they do, but there's others where a night like this, where Canada, it, it was the same sports competition. Plus, there was a Leafs game last night, so I don't really have a great. Uh, understanding of how some of these numbers swing in different directions. Uh, well, Canadians are an unpredictable bunch. We're crazy. Well, not crazy enough to omit one of the great Canadian legends way for the the Canada Walk of Fame because Bret Hart is part of the next induction class that will happen in December where he will be alongside the founders of insulin, <laughs> Banting and Frederick, Best, Frederick Banting and Charles Best. Holy shit! The real wow. best there is, was, <laughs> and ever will be. Um, Keanu Reeves is going in. Julie Black. Um, there's a whole Wait, list. Hold on a second. The the R and B artist. Yes. Yes. Who I've actually interviewed for a, a weigh in once. Um, I would say. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. I know Julie Black's had like probably quite the career. She's like she's a on air host and whatnot. But uh, I feel like three three of those four of those people are, are are far more famous. But I mean I mean it is the Canadian Hall of Fame. I yeah, I do fame. not I do not have bios on every single person that they have listed here. But I would venture to imagine that the most significant people on this list by a significant margin are Frederick Banting and Charles Best, whose oh my God, uh, yeah. findings have literally saved <laughs> lives. But um, yeah, Bret Hart is, is part of this uh, list. So that will 
be happening in December way, and it'll air on CTV. Well, that's quite the class. Congratulations to them all. Uh, moving on, let's chat about some uh, some other news items here. Raw from Monday night going against uh, Monday Night Football. They were up for the draft. They were up 9% in viewers. They did 1,857,000.52 in the demo. That was also up 9%. So um, this was a, you know, a modest increase that they got for the draft. So that was, uh, that's a positive sign uh, that you can take going against Monday Night Football, which still did over uh, 12 million viewers. Uh, Men 18 to 49 were up 14% this week. Uh, so that was their their largest gain uh, among the demos. So it seems like the draft at least had some some cursory interest uh, this year. Although looking to last year, in some demos they were actually up from the draft last year, which was in the Thunderdome. You look at 2019. I mean, it, it was staggering. Men eight, or adults 18 to 34 is in half of what they did two years ago for the raw draft. Yeah. Wow. Um... How much of it is just the overall trend and how much of it is people caring less about the draft itself? I think it's a combination of, of factors, but I mean, there, there's no doubt that interest in raw is down over the past two years, but it is, it was interesting to see in some, like um, in some areas, like they were up at least from a year ago, which isn't always uh, the case when you're looking at these year to years. But I mean, we had this odd year to compare it to with the, with the empty arena, but uh, those are the numbers in Canada doing 226,000 viewers. So again, a, a healthy number for Canada beyond that way. What's coming up this week. There is a huge show going live on Thursday night at 10 o'clock Eastern. That you is right. Hosting. Yes, I will be. Uh, I will be joined by WH park, Nate Milton and rich fan to talk about the season finale of Marvel's. What if, which just dropped today, and we'll be taking live calls. We'll be discussing our thoughts on the season as a whole. So it'll be a lot of fun to talk about it with some friends. The last thing I, f- I forgot, I got this uh, press release actually during Dynamite. But this is the, the official announcement of the return way of WOW, Women of Wrestling. Are you ready for, for WOW? Well, are they calling it WOW? Yes, they are. It's okay. uh, So here is from the press release. Viacom CBS Global Distribution Group announced today a new multi-year distribution agreement with WOW, Women of Wrestling, making the return of the world's leading women's wrestling league. This historic and exclusive media rights deal gives WOW the biggest distribution opportunities for the U.S. and abroad in the history of women's professional wrestling. WOW is owned by Jeannie Buss and was created by David McLean, founder of women's wrestling original hit series, Glow. New episodes of WOW will launch in weekend syndication beginning in the fall of 2022. Viacom CBS Global Distribution Group has already secured clearance in 160 markets representing 70% of the U.S. through licensing agreements. Uh, They go on to state that former WWE World Champion and New York Times bestselling author A.J. Mendez, a.k.a. A.J. Lee, will provide color commentary during each broadcast, which will feature the return of WOW World Champion The Beast, and former world champion Tessa Blanchard to the squared circle. Jeannie Buss and AJ Mendez will serve as executive producers, while WOW creator and founder David McLean is the executive producer of the production, along with two-time Emmy Award nominee Nick Stoller. So this will not be coming to um, air until a year from now. Weekend syndication. Um, 
this is kind of going to be very similar to the Ring of Honor model. And they're actually, in this press release, they list that they will be on both CBS-owned and operated stations and Sinclair Broadcast Group. So there's there's that tie-in as well with Sinclair. But, I mean, we, we talk about this all the time about, you know, companies that are trying to carve their own piece of the pie in this growing landscape. And this is another that... I, I think one of the things that does hurt Ring of Honor is not having that kind of dedicated time slot on a on a network on a major cable outlet and that syndication. I mean, it's it's something like it's. I think Ring of Honor does a healthy audience every week when you add everything together. But I mean, do you see this a year out having any kind of following in significant numbers? Hmm. I. I feel like there's a chance that it would be better than what it was doing before, like on access, like access, yeah. you know, which is a channel that I, I, I just, I don't even know how many people, um, get, I, I think, you know, wow, just even airing in spots might have a better chance of, um, people just flipping through and, and, and catching that channel. Um, you know, it's. I, I think over overall you kind of have to look at whether or not they'll be in more homes versus you know maybe a consistent time slot on a channel that's watched by fewer people um and i think a lot of it will have to do with whether or not like there will be good wrestling on the show i i mean it also depends what what sort of audience that they're aiming towards i mean if it's going to look exactly like maybe the glow or wow model of old they're not exactly going to be reaching much of the fan base that watches a wrestling product like AEW or people who listen to a podcast like this. Instead, I mean, I I don't know who it's going to reach. Like, I don't I don't know. You're you're at, at non wrestling fans, like you know, people who remember the '80s and, and are nostalgic for Glow, perhaps. I don't know. But the 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 promo little bit video I saw, I mean, heavily promoted. Tessa Blanchard, which uh, immediately received a, a whole lot of online criticism, if you uh, read the comments on, on on the on the responses to the to the tweet, um, so that's that's something that they they're going to have to face. And uh, with yeah, AJ, especially as Tessa, you would assume like is there to be one of the front facing people of this project and mm-hmm. putting her out there in the media, like that is something you are going to have to confront if you're utilizing Tessa Blanchard. Totally, and with AJ Mendez being an exec producer, I really do wonder if there will be a shift in philosophy in uh, how they present the, the women's wrestling, if there will be a sort of a, you know, more increased uh, significance placed on in-ring quality. Will the roster that they acquire uh, have more to do with how great a wrestler somebody might be versus maybe how campy the character they can portray may be, or how stereotypical the character they can portray may be. I certainly hope so because I certainly I mean obviously that's that's just the taste of the modern wrestling fan but that depends if they want the modern wrestling fan. Yeah, that's that's your question. I think like if you're looking at what people associate women of wrestling and glow as it just feels very very dated. Uh the other question is, you know, the when you're talking about, you know, you know, WWE has thriving a thriving women's division. You're seeing AEW that just with the introduction of this title, I think you're going to see them continue to invest in women's wrestling. Ring of Honor has recently reintroduced their women's division with the title coming back. MLW has brought in a women's division. Like there are a lot of outlets for women's wrestling and you want to have, I think a combination of, of great talent, but also some stars in there as well. Like what is the landscape going to look like that people are going to be uh, coming and doing 
women of wrestling when there are other viable outlets. Yeah, sure. I would imagine many of the talents that are signed to WoW are probably not going to be on exclusive deals. They'll probably be allowed to work, you know, at least their indies, if not maybe even other TV shows, perhaps mm-hmm. as different monikers or different ca- characters. And, uh, you know, from the looks of it, I think it'll be a relatively high level of TV production. And I think if you're any sort of wrestler not signed to a major corporation, you can that'll always be a benefit to to your exposure. All right. You can go to postwrestling.com for all of the latest news and notes. And uh, as Wei mentioned, MCU Later will be live Thursday night, 10 Eastern, for all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. We're back Friday night at 11.15 after Rampage and SmackDown, where we will take your phone calls. And this weekend, we've got a big G1 show for Saturday, where we will go through Thursday, Friday, and Saturday's G1 events. And Sunday night, the week caps off with Nate Milton, Chris Ely and Andrew Thompson with this month's edition of the NWA podcast. That is correct. Yes. Uh, all those shows, actually all those shows will be on the post wrestling cafe, except for the NWA podcast, which you can find on this free feed Sunday evening. Let's move on over to dynamite because way, I don't know if you're aware, but this is the second anniversary of rewind to dynamite. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I did not even put that together until this moment. So happy anniversary, John. Yes. Just to to imagine that we were doing less less shows two years ago. Wednesdays used to be, what was it? NXT night. That was it. We had an hour of NXT until this whole era began. Could you imagine? I can't imagine. No, I can't. I mean, we were doing other shows. You know, we we just had to cut back as a result. So we've basically just swapped recording times. But yeah, um, two years. Well, tonight's show from the Leah Chorus Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And there were some interesting notes on Elevation. They did a match between Joey Janela and Crowbar with the Blue Meanie getting involved as well. So I'm sure that will have some some interest hmm. to check out on Monday. Yeah, I thought it was really cool that they, they used Crowbar. Interesting. Is that like, you know, a, a Daphne thing? I would just imagine that, I mean, he was he's local and... Someone thought to use them, and uh, I mean, I, th- I think that's cool to do that kind of stuff for elevation and dark, like little uh, cameos from you know a, a person that's you know I don't know if you're going to find a spot for a crowbar cameo on one of your main shows, but on elevation, I think that's a, a cool little hook, and you go into different cities, who who's around that might you know spark some interest for for a match on elevation that's going to stand out. Yeah, totally cool. So they did this cool bit where uh, like 10 minutes or so before they went live, they streamed the entrances because they were going to start with the eight man tag. So this crowd just sounded insane before they even went on the air. So we start with all eight in the ring as Justin Roberts introduces the members of the elite taking on Brian Danielson, Christian Cage, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. And man, this crowd was so incredibly hot right off the right off the top. And they pretty much stayed consistent all night. Really incredible. Like right off the bat, you know, um, exactly just the atmosphere you, you, you hope for, uh, on a wrestling show. It was, it was great off the bat. They were into everything here. They got the advantage on Adam Cole early. They're chanting Kenny no balls, which I'm sure will be a t-shirt in no time. Uh, then they, they turn the tables on jungle boy and are controlling him and he does a spot where Nick Jackson gets crotched on the top. Jungle Boy has Matt in this Greco-Roman knuckle lock, 
leaps onto the top rope where he jumps up and down, further attacking Nick Jackson's crotch, and then leaps off into an arm drag on Matt Jackson. And he did this. It looked so fluid. It was just great. Danielson comes in. This place is deafening with yes chance as he kicks Matt Jackson. And they're all just get going nuts for Luchasaurus until he gets the tag. And he felt like the big star on the babyface side during the first half of this match. Uh, they gave Naka, him a lot. They gave he, him a lot of time. They treated him like a big star. And this audience, like they, he, like he was like the big, the big hot tag to get to. Nakazawa attacks Christian Cage on the floor with a case. They spray him with the cold spray and then lay him out with an indie taker to the floor. And Michael Sampson is over there. And Chris, Christian Cage is taken out of the match where they are noting his, his neck problems as the elite make fun of him. So it's four on three for the rest of the way. And Jungle Boy is fighting out uh, against the numbers disadvantage. He double DDTs the Bucks, makes this huge tag to Danielson, and he's in with Kenny Omega. And it takes a split second, and this crowd is on their feet, just in unison, excited to see this, uh, this interaction between them. And Danielson lays him out with a running drop kick in the corner, top rope Hurricane Rana, diving headbutt, and then counters a Snapdragon, and it's Danielson with the Tiger Suplex transitioning to Cattle Mutilation, which is broken up by a Swanton from Nick Jackson. I think I wrote a thousand words recapping this match. Luchasaurus and Cole are tagged in, and then Cole goes for the Panama Sunrise, but is caught in the throat, and Luchasaurus manages to chokeslam Adam Cole onto Kenny Omega. As he is going down, he throws tail whips at the Bucks, and then everyone's in. They're doing dives to the floor that included a tope suicida from Danielson. Omega does the Terminator dive. And it ends with Adam Cole teasing his own dive, but instead just does the pose, turns around, and Luchasaurus chokeslams him. This thing is just electric. And we are 15 minutes into this. The Thoracic Express gets stopped. And then the Elite go for this four-person sit-out powerbomb for Kenny Omega, who falls down with Luchasaurus and it's like the one rare like blowing spot involving these guys and the crowd just boos it and the elite just sell it like they like they succeeded like we did it we picked (laughs) them up and we dropped them on cue and it just made the crowd more livid and I mean it was like this hiccup that you either run with it or you pretend or you're like you know, time stands still and they just ran with it and they had a lot of fun and they, they like celebrated as if they had just <laughs> pulled off the most miraculous four on one maneuver. I would love to see them reattempt it and have it look exactly the same shitty way. And as if they were, they meant to I, do it exactly like this. <laughs> I bet you way they will do it again like this again in oh, the future, God. at least on B, being the elite. They'll talk about it on BT. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> so Jungle Boy was the legal man throughout this, so I don't think this was, like, messing up uh, any kind of ending or so. They continue for several more minutes where the Panama Sunrise is hit the Jungle Boy, but Danielson saves, and then it's Danielson fighting all four by himself. Omega catches his kick, allowing the others to triple super kick him, and then with Jungle Boy as the legal man, Brian's throwing out four-person BTE trigger, and Adam Cole pins Jungle Boy in 17 minutes and 58 seconds. This was one of the hottest TV matches of the year. It was unbelievably great. It was so fantastic, and I feel like that's always the case anytime we have the Bucks 
involved in one of these opening tag matches. They always, always, always turn out this well. Powerbomb botch aside, I thought this was just just such a wonderful multi-man opener that, I mean, in many ways followed the template of their previous tag teams with this group. You give a ton of shine to these baby faces. Heels cheat, pick them off to gain the advantage. Have Jungle Boy base, you know, usually always take the pin, but somehow make the crowd love him even more in defeat in the process. I thought they gave a tremendous spotlight to him, but like you mentioned, John, it was Luchasaurus that I think was really the standout here. Which I don't think you could have predicted him getting that kind of reaction um, going into this. They used, you know, his, like, he's really taken a backseat, I would say, over the past year, uh, and some of that is due to injury, but, like, I think he's really starting to regain that same spark he had, that the crowd had for him when he, uh, when AEW debuted two years ago, but here he just, like, really benefits from being in, in the ring with, like, the four members of the Elite who were just selling their asses off for him, making all of them look amazing, making those kicks, those tail whips look really cool. I love the moment that they ha- had between Brian and Kenny, you know, really just kind of showcasing what has become, I-, I would say, a pretty legendary match between the two in a short amount of time and already creating such great anticipation for their rematch uh, just by having the two of them look at each other and stare at each other in the ring. And the super elite are just like, they're just so much fun to watch together. You know, the the compl- the Adam Cole edition just really seems to amplify what the three of them already had going. And the triple team spots, the quadruple team spots here with the four-way BTE trigger, I just think were so creative. And so they're, they're kind of like cocky heelness is just amplified so much. And it's just so much fun to watch. So really entertaining all around. Yeah, it was it was so good that I expect uh, we're going to get the uh, the complaints of us being too positive. That's how good this match was. That's the mark of uh, quality, I suppose. Yeah. This was okay. a this was a fantastic fantastic match. Now I, I wouldn't even restrict it to like TV match. It was just a outstanding match. Everyone felt like stars in this, and it was just such a hot way to start off your show for uh, twenty minutes. And they went they went uninterrupted for this eighteen minute match. So I I really like the format that they have of when they do the big long opening match, and it it doesn't have the picture in picture. It's it's just like such a super hot start to the show. Yeah, it's oftentimes the match you're most looking forward to. It's the prime spot of the show. We come back from break. John Moxley has lost his patience. There's no man in AEW that can pin me or submit me, but tonight they're going to play games with ladders. He says, I don't know what's going on. I've got a three-month-old at home, and she's insane. I don't know what's going on. You feel the same way? I was like, dude, you're not even at teething yet, Moxley. <laughs> Get ready, okay? You think these three months have been rough? <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be delivering some uh, dead eyes off of ladders once teething happens. Well, he's he's got a nice relaxing weekend with uh, Nick Gage on Saturday. Oh, a lot of anticipation for that one. CM Punk comes out. They isolate a Punk Fears Hook sign in the crowd, and he says that... No one's sick of this love fest yet, so he's going to keep on going with it. He talks about his history in Philadelphia, moving here around 2002, training at the ROH Dojo, and he just lived, breathed, and ate wrestling. He loves Philadelphia so much, not enough that he knows that their specialty was cheesesteaks and not 
cheesecakes. But he, with his money he made here in Philadelphia back in the day, he bought himself an iPod and a laptop and thought he was rich. Yeah, I mean, when you're when you're young, like those having those two things seems um, seems like it's all you need. I like this message of of minimalism here. You know, when I my very first, uh, I guess, couple of weeks or whatever working at the Fight Network when I was in university, my first paycheck, I bought an iPod and I felt so proud of myself that I bought this thing off of my money that I made working at this place. So there you go. It's a big deal. It was a, an expensive expense at the time. I did, it, yeah, expense. it was. What'd you get? The I, I got the mini. I got the iPod Mini. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember that. You had the blue one. You had that. I did. That How did I can't believe you remember that. I do. I, do. I, I still got it somewhere. It just is totally dead. But I had, I had like it was the best mix of songs I had on there. That I are, will give anything to. <laughs> okay, but the problem is I can't get this thing to work, but I don't have the heart to throw it out because there are songs on there that are untraceable that I cannot find. And I just wish one day this thing would come to life and I could listen to this thing full on one more time. You sound like um, Star-Lord, you know, with your, your uh, awesome mix being handed it, to you. From- dude, this, this would put the awesome mix to shame. It was, <laughs> it was the greatest dance Euro, uh, mix of all time that can you I had on take that. a trip to the apple store tomorrow and just see like hey i got this like 15 year old ipod can you fix this thing i got like groove armada on this really <laughs> want to get out they'll say wait a minute groove armada what about groove coverage i said <laughs> i'll say both i got coverage. both on here yeah he's happy to be back immersed with this community and asks do you guys buy cheesecake or cheesesteak here? And this actually elicited some booze that this guy that is, uh, you know, you say you love Philadelphia. Well, what's going on here, punk? Hey, it's easy to get confused. I mean, it's like it, 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 it sounds exactly the same. You just swap two letters and it's like, you know, skate and steak. Come on. He says, I will either wrestle tonight or buy everyone cheesesteaks. And he concludes, I'm going to wrestle tonight. And this crowd cheered. They would rather see the man wrestle than be fed for free. That's over. That's a baby face being incredibly over in 2021. And with that, he challenges Daniel Garcia for Rampage on Friday. It's a very confident baby face because, like... They could have booted um, the shit out of him. Oh, my God, yeah. Can you imagine if it was, like... Dude, uh, have you ever been to those Raptors games where if they get to a certain point total, you get free pizza? And they have booed when the Raptors have won and not hit the point total to give them free pizza. It's like, we do not have a loyalty to this team. You have given us a better offer, and that is a piece of pizza made out of cardboard somewhere. Uh, yeah, it's not the best pizza at all. But, um, I mean, food is sometimes more important than sports. But not in this case. People wanted to see CM Punk wrestle. Yeah. It was a. I thought it was a, just a wonderfully conversational, very playful and organic interaction that Punk seemed to have with this audience. He is somebody who just seems to have such a a natural ability to have what feels like a very personal, intimate conversation with the audience, even if there are ten thousand people in there. Every single person feels like he has that he or she has that connection with a CM Punk when he's talking, and that's just incredibly special and i'm glad we're getting one of these every other week he's a man that would give you the shirt off his back 
or the shoes off his feet because then he took off his Jordans and handed them off to this kid dressed up as Orange Cassidy in the front row. And I, I turned on my, uh, my lip reading. Did you hear what the, the fan said? What did he say? These aren't going to fit me. You're an adult man. <laughs> Look how small I am. Well, Punk probably said, you'll grow into him, kid. That's a long wait. That's a long wait. What, hey, what size looks- feet would, would Punk have? He's he got to be like a size, what, 9, 10? Yeah, probably, yeah. Probably, yeah. Well, listen. Um, this was a really gracious gift, I will say. I, I would say um, I think he'll probably sell those on eBay and probably buy 15 <laughs> could, could you imagine? Could oh you imagine he, I would he do sells it. Are these? Are you kidding me? Clearly, he's an Orange Cassidy fan. He's not here for CM Punk, okay? So, anyway, this was great. This was great. You know, um, I, I This wonder... is going to be a way more expensive uh, act of kindness than Brett giving away those, those sunglasses. So, I don't know if Punk's going to make this a regular thing or not. Well, I find it interesting because, like, we know if, you know, from watching BTE and just from seeing the Elite, like, buying sneakers, buying Jordans are sort of their thing that they've kind of made famous now as part of this uh, heel persona that they have. Was this sort of like a indirect way of setting that up? Here's a guy who gives away his shoes. And, you know, is that is that somehow going to piss off the group? Then, that- then the Bucks should have come out and stolen the shoes he should have i thought i thought that could have been maybe on bte when they did this i did think that there was a a chance of like some angle of this playing into later god like i don't know if you've seen bte lately but like this is basically all bte has become it's them like going shoe shopping and just coming out with like boxes and boxes of really expensive sneakers can't say i've been keeping Uh, up with it nor are you selling me on it yeah yeah so there you go so AEW, they've had they've had some great personalities emerging of late. Nobody, nobody in my my planet is approaching Arn Anderson. This guy is my favorite person on television, regardless of genre. Right now, he's in Cody's backyard, and he's lit a he's lighting the trash on fire, and Cody opens up his door and Arn, what the hell are you doing? Arn says, this is symbolic of what Malachi Black is doing, walking into his backyard and destroying everything. Cody comes down and Arn says, what the, what the fuck are you doing, Cody? Why don't you go paint a star on your face? He then tells Cody to burn these clothes of his, their excess. And as Cody tells him, don't throw away the tie, Arn says... You threw us away, damn it. Arn Anderson, once again, just, uh, I love this guy. He's the best. Oh, he's really tapped into something. He's tapped into an energy and a personality that is making him the hottest young up-and-comer in AEW right now. Uh, this He's going repl- to replace Hook. <laughs> oh, for sure. This sketch, though, was, was a unique follow-up to, I think, what they had set up, because, um... The Glock? Yeah, well, I I think that should it should have been Arn showing up like with a gun outside of Cody's house. This, this could have been dangerous, him. man. You you just see a random figure in your backyard lighting shit on fire. I mean, <laughs> in some states, I mean, it's like we don't call nine one one here. Okay, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, it could have been a very different story. I I thought though. Like talking seriously, I thought like the the whole thing was that 
Arn left the group, right? I thought, or at least he, I thought it was him kicking Cody out of the Nightmare family or something to that effect. Like, I thought it was a permanent severing of the, of the tie. But this sketch kind of made it look more like it was Arn simply using tough love to teach Cody another lesson. And that everything that's taken place so far, including this sort of burning of the ceremonial burning of the tie is, is just part of Arn's continued coaching. Did you get that sense? Totally. I think this is where they're going of for Cody to compete with Malachi Black. You have two options. You can either uh, go off into the woods a la Rocky Four, and go to the training camp where you are tied to somebody in the pocket or you teach him this way and Cody is not going to be handing over the car if he gets jacked at a red light. Right. Okay. So we're building so, a, a tougher, take no bullshit, Cody Rhodes. So, I mean, then what, what do you think of um, whether or not Cody is actually still going to turn heel? Because this, if this is, if we're going by Rocky Four, I mean, this is his comeback for for a big babyface triumph. I don't think we're getting like some monumental turn. I think that we are just going to get a more of an edge to Cody to come back and compete with Malachi Black, who they are, despite the reactions, like he is still presented as this heel. And I do think that is going to be how they'll present him with Cody. But it's going to be kind of Cody coming back for this rematch at some point. And you've got to, I, I think like you're going to see him like eliminate the suits, maybe shave his head. I don't know. Do I don't know if that's makeover. Gonna, I don't know if that's going to change this crowd's reaction because Malachi Black, yeah, despite be facing baby faces and killing baby faces, he this continues. Crowd loves him. He's the coolest guy on this show. Like, look at the entrance. Look at the kicks. You know, like it's impossible to boo him. And I don't care what sort of makeover Cody gets. Um, they're not going to cheer him over Malachi Black. Hey, uh, just alerted by somebody in the chat room, the, the sneakers that Punk got are from uh, his appearance on Sneaker Shopping on Complex. So maybe that's the only reason why he was wearing those Jordans. Well, I, f- I figured he bought them somewhere. Yeah, yeah, but uh, this is a specific show that he bought them on or got them purchased for him. Bobby Fish video, he's training. He goes over training or er, wrestling at the Tokyo Dome, winning titles worldwide, and he's going to make Sammy Guevara the shortest reigning TNT champion of all time. So he comes out, and um, this story was relayed by uh, Mikey Ruckus that they had a backup theme ready for him, but they were able to trace the creators of his old theme, Dance Away by Damn Valentines, and they were able to clear it in time so that he could come out and... Use this theme tonight. This was so awesome. What a pleasant surprise. Yeah. You know, to hear the old Red Red Dragon theme, like, I would say one of the few Ring of Honor themes I actually can recognize. Uh, it, it was a wonderful addition, late addition, it sounds like. Uh, Guevara did a promo with Fuego Del Sol. He has bought the man a truck, and Fuego, like, deadpans and offers to put the truck up for a title shot before he reveals he's just joking. Uh. So there you go. An expensive gift for Fuego. It's a nice, yeah, those are expensive trucks. Insurance. Is he paying for insurance as well? Like, that's not cheap. No, that's on Fuego. Fish knocks Guevara off balance off the top. They go through picture in picture. And there's a spot where Bobby Fish kicks out Sammy's legs on the edge of the apron. And dude, Sammy 
folds up like a chair, just landing on his neck on the edge of this apron. It looked brutal as he came down. Yeah, it looked scary. I don't know like oh. what was supposed to happen there, how that was supposed to work safely, but man, it looked like a bad fall. Guevara got his feet up, hits a Spanish fly, climbs to the top. He's knocked down. Uh, Fish then hits a falcon arrow off the top, only gets a two count, misses with the kick, and then Sammy Guevara hit the most uh, bullseye GTH you could imagine and pins Bobby Fish to retain the title. They gave a lot to Bobby Fish here to showcase him, and I love the fact that the TNT title is being used again as sort of this like open door gimmick to allow anybody to show up from anywhere in pro wrestling and not just you know people that are on the undercard although he should probably do that too but um the fact that we got to see bobby fish here straight out of nxt felt relatively special i thought it was a good match but sorry go ahead yeah oh i was just gonna say it was funny because excalibur got in a line here about most people would know bobby fish from his time in Japan. <laughs> and, and then he's talking about like the forbidden door. It was as if he had, he has come from Japan straight to AEW <laughs> and this, this multi-year uh, side, side, uh, side project was just a thing of the past that we're not even going to acknowledge. <laughs> it's like, well, we all, we all know Bobby, Bobby Fish from Japan. There's a long hallway from uh, Japan through that door. That's so. right. Yeah. A little detour. <laughs> Uh, I thought the match was good, but it wasn't exactly a match that lit the crowd up. You know, for a crowd that was as energetic as they were for much of the the rest of the show, there were moments where they really felt like they weren't as loud, at least on TV. I think Fish's style, to me, is really fun to watch. His striking looks as good as ever here. But I I do also feel like it's an issue where um, I don't know if he comes across as exceptional in any way on a roster that is already as stacked in so many different styles as it already is. I also feel like he would play a better babyface in an introductory role like this instead of sort of playing, you know, like dominating heel here, trying to stifle the high flying of the babyface. To me, like what the Bobby Fish story is right now is the fact that he is at the tail end of his career trying to, you know, like clutch onto like one final run for the top. Like it's it's the Rocky five, Rocky six story. I mean. Um, and I, I don't know if like, you know, this got to showcase necessarily like the best elements of him that maybe AEW could, could be using. So while I thought it was a good match, I don't necessarily think it was really a good enough type of appearance for the audience to be clamoring for, for him to be signed. At least that's how I sensed it. What about you? Everything you just said, I thought was necessary for a promo to set this up for people to, okay, it's Bobby Fish. But what what is he fighting for? What does this represent? Um, everything you just said, I think that that would have been uh, very, very valuable to just have even in that 30 seconds to just have, you know, your your summary line of I'm fighting for an opportunity here. Uh, I'm 45 and this is this is the most important match for me moving forward and where my career is going to go now. They yeah, they, they they did that video very well produced, you know, on online. They kind of had an extended version of that as well but that wasn't the storyline they were going for ultimately this is sammy's first title defense and therefore it needs needed to be a big match and a big clear babyface victory for sammy but um you know a great uh, 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 opportunity for bobby fish but in my opinion not really the best story i would give bobby fish uh if my intent was to have him be sort of a major star and maybe that's not what they're looking for ultimately american top team come out 
and they're with Men of the Year. And Paige Van Zant, who I, I thought like stole the show here, just she was just getting into everyone's face, and it Got was funny. Dude, she looks so much like Len from Aqua. Oh, really? Like present day Aqua. Oh, um, wow. Dude, it was funny because she totally blended into the background when they first introduced her. And this this time, it seemed like she was looking to have like the spotlight here. It seemed like night and day from her first appearance. So she she seemed really into it. Like she's really totally, totally like before it. it seemed like she just seemed like um, like she was just kind of along for the ride and didn't quite understand what she was involved in. And this one completely different mindset. It seemed that she was uh, focusing on here. So she distracts uh, Sammy Guevara as Scorpio Sky attacks him from behind. And then Junior Dos Santos jumps onto Samu Guevara and starts dropping elbows while Paige goes to take a selfie. So we get our our second selfie angle of the week. Fuego Del Sol runs down and he's fighting them. When Judas starts to play, Jericho and Hager run out and Jericho and JDS like isolate into the corner. And it looked like Junior just did not know what to do in terms of selling and he just kind of got out of there and it was like do i throw punches and i'm like what am i doing here and he just like rolls out of it and the crowd heat was just unreal here dan lambert is trying to scream over judas it stops and the crowd is still singing it while he speaks over them and then he cuts his entire promo which is barely audible to the viewer at home I heard from people that were in the arena that they did not hear a word Dan Lambert said, and that would include Chris Jericho, who heard nothing here. But in essence, he is challenging them to a six-man tag when AEW comes to Miami next week, where they are Friday and Saturday, with the Men of the Year and Junior Dos Santos against Jericho, Hager, and Sammy, where Jorge Masvidal will be ringside. And Jericho just says, I didn't hear a thing you said, but we're going to beat the living shit out of you. And your dipshit team. But this was deafening the booze from this crowd. It was insane. It was intense. And, you know, so much of that, not just for, um, of course, the American top team, but I mean, mainly for Jericho and the whole Judas entrance, which they just completely reacted to as if it was one of the highlights of the show. I'm I'm usually, you know, kind of critical of these Lambert segments, but I thought this one felt really good mainly because the atmosphere was so special and so incredible here. And also because you had, you know, some of the legitimate MMA threats here doing some physicality. Uh, and also because I thought Lambert in the promo, if you were able to hear it, did a great job of setting up Masvidal as sort of this like yeah. big attraction that we have to look forward to. So this one felt to me very authentic and effective. Yeah, this was a great segment and sets up the the six-man tag. And you would think some kind of furthering of the angle with Jericho and Masvidal when they do this next week. How do you think JDS is going to look in this match? What do they have to do to make this successful? I think they have to play to his strengths. I don't think he should be selling. I think that would be asking way too much of this guy. But, I mean, you can get away doing, like, worked strikes and... I mean, he he looked good in the physicality part with Sammy Guevara uh, at the beginning. I just wouldn't be trying anything complicated with him. And it's a six man like you can hide him and do you do have to involve him in in some meaningful ways, though, with especially with Jericho. 
Yeah, I'm serious. How much? Uh, I'm I'm curious to to see how much they give him. Whether or not he'll actually be taking any sort of professional wrestling moves, or he'll if he'll simply be tagged in for the end for like a big <laughs> knockout blow or something. This is just nuts. That we're talking about Junior Dos Santos doing a pro wrestling match next week. Contractually, you, I think you've kind of touched on it before, but he he is free to yeah do do this. Him, him and Arlovsky was not here tonight. Um, nor is he in the in the six man, but. Um, you know, Arlovsky and Masvidal are still with the UFC. Junior Dos Santos is free and clear. So there's no, um, th- there would be no contractual language to get around in his case. But well, obviously they are building to something with Masvidal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're using him as sort of the main attraction. He's going to be just an enforcer. But I mean, the, the program feels like it would be leading towards some sort of match. I think you've got to do the singles match. I don't see it being a multi-person with, I think, they're going to try and do Jericho and, and Masvidal in a, in a singles. Like, I just think that is, it's the toughest like to do, but with a guy like Jericho in there, I think you're going to have confidence that they can pull off um, a, a, a perfectly acceptable match. And from just a promotional standpoint, I think the singles match is going to be the most attractive to people that you could get away with doing it at, at full gear. What a r- roster of opponents Jericho has had. This year, it's pretty nuts when you sit down and look at this this past year of the the matches that he has been tasked with with having. It's quite the wide variety when you're going from Juventud Guerrera to Nick Gage and Jorge Masvidal. Yes, the acclaimed cut a promo. They want the tag titles on Friday. The Lucha Brothers wear masks because they're ugly, and they're going to stop their Scooby Doo villain asses. Fun little backstage rap from. Caster here. Tony Schiavone's in the ring for the major announcement that uh, Tony Khan had promoted. He notes the anniversary, the changing of the industry, and that last year on the anniversary, they introduced the TNT Championship. And now Dynamite is moving to TBS on January 5th and will add the TBS Championship. It will be in the women's division as Aubrey Edwards reveals the belt, uh, which has the TBS logo on it and a tournament We'll begin. Yeah, so confirming the uh, Andrew Zarian report from weeks ago at this point. Um, it It's cool. Yeah, it looks just like the TNT title, except it's blue instead of red. Uh, they said, what, the tournament begins in January? They said that Dynamite's moving to TBS in January. They didn't say when the tournament would begin, but yeah, oh. it would not make sense to really introduce this until you're on tbs right okay because uh i i guess maybe i at that point wasn't completely clear for me um it wouldn't make sense until you did the move but everybody is already kind of talking about entering the tournament now and can can they hold yeah, off the it's tournament like it's, that long? it's a fair amount of time when we're talking about three months before this move that i mean i guess you could start the tournament now and you build up to like the finals are that that first uh dynamite like, on t on tbs like Two two months. It's more than two months. That's an eternity. It's in, it's three. It's almost exactly three months. Yeah, it's like three months. Wow, that's a long time to to run a tournament if if that's the case. But uh, or 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 they said that they 
I don't know. Please, somebody in the chat room, enlighten me. Maybe, maybe I, I miss something. But you know, obviously, it's good for the women's division. This is uh, one of the biggest sore spots of of AEW that people often criticize, and rightfully so. The fact that uh, women just don't have as much screen time, and this division is largely underdeveloped when it comes to characters, or at least you know, superstars. Uh, so new more titles, at least I think to me in theory, means more airtime for characters and for storylines in the women's division. Um, but of course, it all comes down to execution. You know, they can make all the titles they want. It depends on how they use them. The women's championship that they currently have prior to Britt Baker, I wouldn't say has received a whole lot of airtime um, considering, you know, how long Sheeta was champion. So AEW still really has a lot to prove themselves. And um, we'll see because the, uh, the microscope is on them right now. So, so, so does this mean like these titles have to be exclusively defended on their channels? I don't, they haven't stated that. I don't know if you're going to be so rigid with that. It seems like you're really going out of your way. Like if you're building to those like quarterly specials that are on TNT and you have a hot program for the TBS title, I, like it's all in the same family. So I don't, I don't see why there would be some hard and fast rule between them. Yeah, you're probably right. And I mean, that would mean no TNT title matches on Dynamite. Yeah. Yeah. Which would get tricky. And then we had Jim Ross in a sit-down interview with Darby Allen. This is the road trip um, that would be just something else to see these two sharing a car together. Jim says, nice of you, nice of you to sit down with me on casual Wednesday. Darby <laughs> Allen completely no-sells that comment. And he says that MJF was an arse last week for his comments he made to Darby. And... Darby explains why he paints half of his face discussing when his uncle was drinking and driving when he was five and died as a result of it. And he paints his face because he feels like he is dead in 50% of him. He faced death that day, but I'm still here. And mentally and physically, he will not be beaten by MJF, who has never met someone like Darby Allen. I... I love the these settings, you know. Anytime JR sits down with somebody, I think it's the perfect place to just pull material from these wrestlers in a very serious, more intimate setting. Um, this time, I don't really think Darby said anything different that we hadn't heard before from him, explaining the reason why he paints his face. But perhaps they felt it was a story worth repeating for this particular story with, you know, several probably hundred thousand people watching right now. I would I would imagine there was a decent amount of people that don't know that backstory before MJF brought it up. So I think it was important to reiterate it. So um yeah, it it it, it explains it, it gives further context and they're going in that direction obviously for the match which we will see the angle for later. But first, uh Darby took on Nick Camaroto and during the entrance Darby dove off the top onto Camaroto and Aaron Solo on the floor. And we go through the picture in picture where it's lots of selling by Darby and then comes back with the stunner right as the commercial ends, hits the coffin drop onto Camaroto's back and pins him seconds after we come back from break. So this was uh, this was like one of those SmackDown matches where pretty much the whole thing took place during the commercial. Um, even more so here, like we saw the opening dive and pretty much the coffin drop and that was about it. Yeah, I don't know if this is one of their tactics to, you know, get everybody to make sure that not to s skip out during the commercial breaks or, or what, but I really don't have much to be able to say. You, you didn't miss much, though, in the in the break. I mean, it was um, I mean, it was an extra couple of minutes. But anyway, mm -hmm. Darby wins. 
And then QT sneaks up from behind and gives the diamond cutter to Sting, who pops right back up and gives QT the scorpion death drop. Yeah, he no-sold the diamond cutter. I wonder what DDP would have to say to Sting here. Well, maybe QT didn't execute it properly. The must in it, yeah. Dark Order's in the locker room. Evil Uno's going to step away from making all the decisions, and the rest can... They said, we can all vote. And John Silver proposes that they vote on whether Alan Angel should put his mask back on because he's ugly. And they appear to be on the same page now in the, the democratic um, society that is the Dark Order. They did point out how, like, now that Alan Angels is unmasked, they have three bald guys with beards. Um, and I, I wonder what they're going to do with it, because that's, um, that's a lot of bald guys with beards. The, the drama will uh, continue. Yes, maybe they will all go for the exact same look. They're more anonymous now that he's unmasked than he, he was when he had a mask. Tony Schiavone was in the ring with Dante Martin. He has proven he's a problem to everyone in the locker room. I even held my own with Kenny Omega, and I'm here to fight anyone. The lights go out. Malachi Black is in the ring under a spotlight. He spits out the black mist and follows it with the black mass that is now identified as the back mule kick. And dude, Dante Martin sold this thing to perfection. He just took the backwards plunge right onto the mat. The lights go out. They come back on. Malachi Black's the most over babyface in this arena. And Black accepts that challenge as Dante is out cold on the floor. Again, they continue to make Malachi Black the, the coolest babyface on this show. Like, it's impossible to, to boo him. And I don't think they really care. You know, like, as long as he feels like a big deal, as long as he feels like a superstar, which he is coming across, that's probably all they care about. But I thought Dante Martin, you know, we don't often hear him speak, if ever, on Dynamite. And I thought he sounded really good. His confidence and delivery, I, I thought, were, were impressive. He's no Von Wagner. But yeah, he cut a good promo here. <laughs> Uh, then they had Ricky Starks in the next segment in the ring with the FTW title, uh, bringing up its roots in South Philadelphia with Taz, and said that he has the same mindset Taz did, unlike former champion Brian Cage, who didn't show up for work tonight. He wanted to have a Philadelphia street fight. And with that, Brian Cage charges the ring and attacks him, and Starks leaves with Hobbs and Hook. Yeah, yeah. Some bad information relayed to Ricky Starks. Yeah, I know. Like, not only was was Cage here, he like got dressed in his gear and everything. It's a hard, hard guy time. to miss in the back. Yeah. So, so they're gonna do this on Rampage. They're gonna do it on Rampage, the Philadelphia Street Fight. Yeah. I, again, you know, it's been a while since we've seen Ricky Starks have a full on match on Dynamite. He he did a dark match. And this will be, I think, a big test. It's it's a big thing to come back from, like, you know, like a neck injury to suddenly just go into this Philadelphia street fight. They had a procession of the females that are going after the TBS title. We heard from Thunder Rosa, Sky Blue, Ruby Soho, and Jade Cargill with Mark Sterling stating she's going to turn that title into that bitch show. That bitch show. How about that bitch shit? 
Throw a shit in there. Throw all the bad words that you can. We say. didn't have enough enough shit on this show. We well, got Jericho from got Jericho. He got two in in the same sentence. So uh, uh, Jericho knew that they were uh, they were limiting them tonight. So he was going to squeeze them in. He had to outdo Seth from Monday. Yes. Can't have Raw outdo AEW on the shit count. No, you can't. No. Hikaru Shida versus <laughs> Serena Deeb. When are we going to get like a like a match type like a <laughs> like just. Like, you know, like a blood, guts, and shit match or something, you know? <laughs> Bloody shit and guts. <laughs> blood, shit, and guts. Tables, ladders, and shit. <laughs> oh, Tables sorry. and ladders and shit. Oh, fuck. <laughs> JR, you've got oh, sorry, the read everybody. tonight. <laughs> I this match yeah. between Hikaru Shida and Serena Deeb <laughs> I enjoyed the the idea of this match so much so they have had a custom made trophy for Hikaru Shida but it does not say Hikaru Shida, Shida's name on it because she's got to win this match first and then she would become the first woman in AEW to win 50 matches they did this gimmick with Jungle Boy earlier this year yes they did yes so all she has to do is beat Serena Deeb, who is coming back. This is her first match since mid-July. And they had a very nice match. Um, Sheeta landed a running knee from the floor as Deeb was draped on the edge, pulled out the chair, but then Deeb took the chair and threw it underneath, and the crowd booed. Like, we want a chair, goddammit. So they went through picture and picture, and Hikaru Sheeta continues with her uh, knee strikes, and she blocks the Deeb talks. Deeb goes for a Gato clutch, only gets a two count. And then Deeb chop blocks and dragon screw leg whips the knee of Sheeta. Sheeta avoids another chop block and uses this sit out dominator and a falcon arrow, getting two near falls on Deeb. Deeb then resorts to gouging the eye and uses an inverted dragon screw and the dreaded Deeb talks. But Hikaru Sheeta kicks out. Then Deeb goes for the serenity lock drills the knee over and over into the mat before locking it on and Sheeta taps and the reaction this crowd they were like no the trophy the trophy was made for her she's not gonna get it and Deeb wins in 10-17 she takes this trophy and she blasts Sheeta with this trophy and I really like this idea that this just felt like this foregone conclusion this was a layup for Hikaru Sheeta to get this bloody trophy and they went the other way with Serena Deeb and really cemented this this heel turn for her. And I thought this turned out really well. I thought so too. I just I loved the this little fake out that they did here with whether or not it was intentional, like the Jungle Boy thing, which was a, a long term setup um, back then. I thought it was absolutely that was to, that was to heat him up for the for the Omega match. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This it, like everyone I think just believed like this is just like a nice way to give Sheeta this this accomplishment and I think people were legitimately surprised by this end I certainly was because I think so often in wrestling you see a trophy set up for somebody with their name on it um they're probably just it's a foregone conclusion they're just going to win it at the end of the match the fact that they instead used it to heat up and cement Serena Deeb's heel run while in the process I think you already give a great value to Sheeta by, you know, essentially you're telling everybody, hey, this is the person with the winningest record in AEW. Um, I think you make both of them in the same process at the same time. So I, I really enjoyed this. And, you know, she will eventually get that trophy. 
but she won't be getting it in Philly. So, way the long-term goal here, as someone that obviously loves loves her share of puns with the Deeb talks, does it not make sense that the DBS title will be coming her way? Ooh, the DBS title. Yes. Um, Moving on. Hmm. Alex Marvez was with uh, Darby Allen, and he is told that the challenge has been made for Dynamite next Saturday. There's no Dynamite next Wednesday. We'll go over that. Uh, with MJF, and Darby accepts when a limo pulls up, and Darby's getting all set to fight when a masked man attacks Darby from behind with a chair and then takes control of the camera. It's like, you guys want to have home invasions on SmackDown with camera operators? We're not even going to do a, an attack backstage without explaining why the camera is being is filming this this crime. Um, they also clearly had a lot of pull uh, because the audio guy uh, joined in on this as he was uh, showing holding the uh, the cables here. They didn't want to lose the sound. Maybe the audio guy is a part of the pinnacle. That's what I thought. So they're attacking him. They send Darby into a guardrail. The other masked members get out of the limo. There's an F-10 onto the guardrail. <laughs> Tony Schiavone was the best. It's the pinnacle! It's got to be the pinnacle! As he's watching all of them hit their signature maneuvers, ending with MJF who chokes Darby with the skateboard, but never reveals himself. So, so they go back to the commentators on camera. Tony Schiavone is livid. He just stares a hole into the camera and says... It's MJF. <laughs> He's not going to let anyone give any benefit of the doubt. This was the pinnacle, and that was MJF who committed this crime. Shivani made this segment. We'll prove it, Tony. Come on. Never saw their faces. This could have yeah. been character assassination. No, this is a fun little beatdown, and I'm, I, I think it'll be fun to see how the pinnacle weasel their way out of it. What excuses they give. They were never identified. Um, they later state that because of this attack, that Darby is not cleared to wrestle next week, and they will provide an update on Rampage. So they are not doing that match next week after leading you in that direction. But Rampage, for Friday night, they have listed four matches. The most they've done on Rampage. CM Punk against Daniel Garcia. Jade Cargill against Sky Blue. A Philadelphia street fight between Ricky Starks and Brian Cage and the Lucha Brothers defend the tag titles against the Acclaimed. And this is coming off a week where they did do their lowest Rampage number to date. And they are coming back with a, a pretty strong lineup for Rampage, which, I mean, a punk match in and of itself is going to be big, uh, but also a title match and a street fight on top of it. Mm -hmm. It'll be an interesting way to compare maybe what a Brian match might do versus what a punk match might do. I mean, punk's rating was really strong, but um, it was also coming off of all out, which or sorry. Well, that was also the grand slam show. So this is uh, just a, a bit more of a typical edition of rampage, but it is CM punk. So uh, we, we wait to see what he'll do. It looks like a stacked lineup. Yeah. So, they will not have, they'll do Rampage this Friday with that lineup, and then they don't have another show until next Friday's Rampage because they're doing back-to-back -back nights in Miami Friday and Saturday with no Wednesday Dynamite next week. Okay, all right, so a whole week without AEW. What are we, we going to do? We haven't had that in forever. 
Yeah, Wednesday oh, night. Oh, you got dark and at dark elevation, I guess. And roads to the top. Roads to the top has Wednesday to themselves. Mm-hmm. With uh, MLW on Wednesday as well. Leo Rush does a promo addressing Dante Martin. He's a big fan of his. And I'm a businessman, and you're hurting. You're an undervalued commodity, and if you take this challenge from Malachi Black, maybe you need some guidance, and he suggests that his people call Dante's people. So, hinting at some kind of uh, alliance between Leo Rush and Dante Martin. Yeah, you know, I really wasn't sold on this uh, LBO Leo character last week, but I, 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 I just really appreciate being able to hear him speak and cut promos again and whether or not it'll be him sort of managing or being a spokesperson for Dante Martin or if it'll be Leo Rush versus Dante Martin I think both of those scenarios sound really great so I'm I'm happy just to be able to see that Dante Martin probably get something that isn't just you know a spot in a tag team match um so yeah what do you think is the likely scenario you think he's he's gonna turn heel and I guess join Leo Rush or is it uh, more of a feud between the two? Uh, I would not turn Dante Martin. I think they've got something great with, with this guy. Um, I thought... Um, what was or is it? this it was... even a heel character with Leo Rush? Or is it a babyface character? Maybe not necessarily. I think Leo Rush is better suited as a heel. But, I mean, is going to be... When you put him in the ring, is going to... I, I think people are going to get behind him very easily. Um, he's a great promo. Um, you could you, you could use him as a mouthpiece, but I think his his prime focus should be as a, as a wrestler. So it at least gets him involved with some kind of story. Um, yeah, we'll see where he's it goes. He's gonna it's, have to like. I I wonder how that match with with Black will go because I don't think it'll just be Black squashing him. Like they've given Dante Martin. No, a they've got to do more with, with Dante than that just being a, a quick match. They last week on the Wednesday, man, I thought CM Punk did such a great job putting Dante over during mm-hmm. during that match. Well, they gave Dante so much over Kenny, so I think it'll be a very competitive match, but coming out of it, how are they going to pivot to this Leo Rush? Maybe Dante game? turns him down, and then uh-huh. Darius links up with Leo Rush. Whoa. Brothers feuding? No. Yeah. Not, no, not around Thanksgiving. There was a leverage Maybe buyout of the Martins. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know. Tony Schiavone interviews Baker, Rebel, and Jamie Hayter. Rebel or Baker makes a joke about the new title. She thought it'd be the Cartoon Network title. And all the jealous bitches in the back can fight over the new belt and have fun fighting in your little tournament. I'll be watching from the top. Yeah. Um. All right. Cool. Casino ladder match was the main event. It started out. So the way this works is that two people started and then after every two minutes, a new entrant was added to the match. However, if someone grabbed the poker chip before the others entered, then they're just screwed. So it's your it's to your advantage to start the match. Yes, it's a disadvantage to come in. I guess I guess they play it up like there are advantages to coming in late, but also disadvantages that the match could be lost before you even get there, which would be a a horrible finish to one of these matches to do. It's like Bachelor in Paradise. You know, exactly. Like it's 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 way better to be there on week one versus week nine, but because by the time week nine happens, everybody's already coupled up. So when you enter the island, it's like there's there's nobody to get engaged to. Orange Cassidy comes out uh, with the Philadelphia 76ers mascot. 
uh, and the best friends are all in uh, Jersey. They're all Chris Statlander and Chuck Taylor were. So big pop easily. Uh, so him and Pac start and Shivani takes a moment to just thank JR and Excalibur for such a great two years. And dude, this man is just so happy to be on this show every week. Yes, he is. Yeah, it's fun. Number three is Andrade who comes out and he does a springboard onto the ladder and fights Pac and then lands a sunset bomb. And the crowd goes nuts for that. Matt Hardy is fourth uh, followed by Lance Archer, who enters during the picture-in-picture picture and just destroys everybody. We come back from break. Moxley is number six as Archer is awaiting, and the two brawl in the crowd. Archer gets caught in the ladder and takes a bunch of orange punches. And then with the ladder upright, with Lance Archer's head through it, Cassidy tries to climb the ladder and gets stopped. The final entrant, the Joker, is Hangman Page. And this crowd goes insane. For page and I thought this was such a um j- just such a, a reassurance that everyone it was throwing out names and potential surprises and I thought it was great that they didn't have to go to the surprise route and instead it was like one of your own guys that you're is poised for big things and he got equal if not bigger a reaction than a new debut was going to get. Totally. You know, like, who out there would have received a bigger reaction than this? I mean, I think anyone just showing up for the first time of of certain va- of certain a certain level would even get a, a big reaction. Even a Bray Wyatt, yeah, Bray Wyatt would get a big reaction, but I don't think it'd be as big as this. This is it's a, hard to this... say. Like, the surprise pop is always like big, but sometimes it's inflated from how over someone is going to be. This is one where the guy's already over, and it was just we don't need like another surprise at this moment, in my opinion. And it was just great that Paige got this role and just felt huge in and of itself. And it's one of your guys that was not a letdown in any way, shape, or form. Yes, I I think it's especially reassuring because, you know, like Paige got hot at a time before Punk and before Brian and him losing the title shot and sort of like, you know, having everything delayed. Brian getting the the match with Kenny um, ahead of him. Um, What is it? Uh, Kenny defending against, I don't know, somebody else at the pay-per-view. It's like all these things. I think maybe some people might have been concerned that, oh, does it take away the focus from Paige? Will Paige still be as hot afterwards? Clearly, you see the reaction tonight. There was absolutely nothing to worry about because this guy is as over as he ever was before he left. Um, they are still, I think, everybody's top pick, in my opinion, to to beat Kenny. So the whole place is chanting cowboy shit. He is attacking everyone. There's a fallaway slam, sending Cassidy onto a ladder. Pescado to Matt, who's holding a ladder on the floor. And then Pack stops Paige's momentum with a chair from behind. Pack brings a table into the ring. He's climbing. Andrade stops Pack, but then Andrade takes a headbutt and drops through a ladder on the floor. And uh, that that was our farewell to Andrade in this match. Paige and Pack climb on the ladder, and they are fighting. And it culminates in the dead eye off the ladder through the table. This was insane, dude. This was. Like- this, so crazy. Like, I, I think, honestly, you could have wrapped the match up after this because there was nothing topping this spot and this reaction. I totally felt that way. I totally felt, totally felt like this should have somehow played into the finish. The The only issue, of course, is that it's it's a ladder match. Mm-hmm. And he would have had to awkwardly, you know, position the ladder into the... They could have done it. But, yeah, this was by far the top ma- top spot of the show. One of the craziest things I've seen on, on Dynamite. 
Moxley returns with a paradigm shift to Page, and then he's climbing. Cassidy climbs. Matt Hardy tips them over, and then Hardy puts Orange Cassidy through a table on the floor, coming off the ladder with a leg drop. And just to see Hardy doing this, it was like 16 years ago that Matt Hardy did that cage match with Edge and did a leg drop off the cage, and it totally messed him up when he did this and i'm just watching like granted this wasn't the same height but it's the same leg drop from a from a a significant height here and this is 16 years after he did that insane one yeah to the floor you know on a and like i'm not his age but i can understand that what by the time you get there having been through the career that he's had um things probably exponentially feel worse so this was a big spot for matt hardy Archer takes out Moxley, and then out of nowhere, Page returns with a buckshot lariat to Archer that was great. Page climbs Moxley with a chair to the back, and it's Moxley and Page fighting on the ladder, and Moxley is the one to fall down and roll out as Page is left alone. He goes to grab the poker chip, and there was like that, the longest four seconds on the entire show, and then he gets the poker chip at 17 minutes and eight seconds, and the place explodes. He uh, has a beer, and the show goes off the air with Jim Ross telling the Sooners to beat Texas. The most important part of uh, the the show. You know, putting Mox and Page up as the final two competing for that um, chip at the end was an interesting choice. Um, And a brave choice, I I think, because they must have been really confident in this crowd's love for Paige because I would argue that Mox is the biggest babyface besides Paige in that match. And to have them go up against one another and getting this crowd to actively boo John Moxley because they love Hangman Paige so much was, I think, really kind of quite the test and quite the, um, uh, I don't know, um, proof that Paige is your top babyface uh, upon ent- re-entry here in this company. So... Um, the return was great. That dead eye was amazing. There are a lot of wonderful spots. This felt like a pay per view quality multi man ladder match that we got on free TV. It was great. Th- this and the opener, like these were totally pay per view level matches you got, and like a pair of like eighteen and seventeen minute matches respectively. Awesome, awesome, and a big surprise. You know, returns uh, an incredible crowd on this edition of Dynamite. So, what do you do with? The three of Omega, Danielson, and Hangman Page. How do you chart this? Okay, well, listen, it's an embarrassment of riches, is it not? Like, all those matches are great. Um, Omega, Danielson, and Page. Um, I think you do... So how far are we from Full Gear? Uh, we got a month. Just over a month. We got, uh, like, four and a half weeks. Okay, and do the, are there any big shows... Like, are we thinking about any specials or any sort of like big arenas that they're going to be running in that time? Five, five, five weeks and change we've got. Uh, no, it's there. They've got the shows in Miami, which are Friday and Saturday. The following week is another Saturday night show. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's the I mean, there, there's any TV show that they could just decide to put a title match on. But yeah, I think I, I think the bigger question is that. When Paige gets this match, I think he has to win the title, but I would not want to run Omega and Danielson unless that's got the the championship attached to it. So it's I think like that's your title picture and and as great a match as it would be, I don't want to see a three-way. 
I don't want to see it either. I really don't. I really don't. Not for the man's first title win. You know, there's something. We The, the audience has been waiting for You Kenny have two Omega. huge matches. You have two huge matches. And I yeah. guess it's just, what do you program for full gear? And like this poker chip, it doesn't mean you have to do this at the pay-per-view. You could do Omega Danielson there and save Paige for when you're ready to do it. But in theory, like why would he not want to go for it immediately? And why would they do this match with him winning this Joker chip if it's not going to be for a setting like that? I mean, this audience has been waiting long enough. They've been teased long long enough with this Kenny Omega Hangman Page thing. Uh, it wasn't going to happen at All Out. I think it needs to happen also on pay-per-view at Full Gear in a one-on-one match. They have something really great going with Kenny and Brian, but I don't know if you shelved that right now. Uh, there's plenty of life, I think, even left in it. And it's that feud's never been about the title. Brian doesn't care about the title. He just wants to beat the best. So you can do that even after Kenny has lost the belt. Um, or if you want to like promote a big edition of Dynamite like that, I think would be very worthwhile. I Part of me wonders if it's too soon, though, because the match still feels very special. And I think it deserves a bigger stage than TV. Um, is, there, is there any like you have full gear in Minneapolis and the Dynamite coming out of that is in Norfolk, Virginia, which is mm, wow. Huge. Like Okay, I mean, his first coronation as a champion? Come on, that's that's perfect. Are you suggesting a title match in Virginia instead? I, I don't rule that out as a possibility. Okay, that's interesting, too. That, I think, you know, if you're not going to do it on pay-per-view, like, the moment of him winning it in his hometown probably be just as special. Um, so, what, promote Brian versus Kenny at full gear, and then the rematch happening, or sorry, Paige gets the winner? The very next dynamite. Well, you need to have Paige in a big way on that show. That's and, that's... and does that not telegraph the winner of Full Gear? Like it's obviously not going to be Brian. No, the story concludes with Paige beating Kenny. I don't think completely. Um... It won't be Paige beating Brian. If anything, it'd be a three way. But it, it's going to have to be Hangman Paige pinning Kenny Omega. There's different ways you can go. I think they're all intriguing directions. It's just how you how you map this out and what they see as the the biggest shows. Like obviously, yeah, just looking at the schedule here, obviously you have Minneapolis, which is big with the pay-per-view. You have that Virginia Dynamite. Uh they're going back to Chicago for uh the Thanksgiving Eve edition of Dynamite. Then they're doing Long Island in in December. Like how, all of how these big shows is that place? The Long Island one, that that's the new arena where the Islanders are playing. So that's that's a pretty big arena. Right. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a lot of great problems to have. I think you're talking about two equally attractive programs with two very attractive baby faces in Brian and, and, and Paige. Maybe you do a little feud between the two of them heading up to it to see who I don't know, gets the, the pay per view spot. Yeah, it's very it's very interesting to see where, where they go from this. Or if yeah, it's 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 very intriguing because you have the whole story of Paige coming up short and now he comes back more confident than ever. And I, I think like there's also a lot of character stuff to do with, with Paige in this whole thing as well. I think so, too. Like what has got him to this place now where now he is ready to go for this championship that in theory tonight sets him in the direction of. And the man is a brand new father. Doing dead eyes off of ladders to people, man. Like what's what's up with fatherhood making these guys even more bloodthirsty than usual? Yeah, we've got all the new fathers: uh, Cody, Moxley, Hangman. Yeah, setting up that um, 
AEW Kids division. <laughs> well, let's see what everyone had to say about tonight's show. Forum.postwrestling.com. Tonight's show gets an 8.83. Hey, we also have some breaking news. Okay. Welcome to the team, Bobby Fish. Evidently, that was enough because um, he is all elite. All right. They uh, they have obtained Bobby Fish. So there you go. Cool. I You know what? Um, I didn't think the match was like amazing, but I'm really happy to see him in this system. I think there's so much good story to tell with this guy that, you know, let's be honest, NXT was not even going to dig into. Like, forget WWE main roster, but even NXT, they weren't really going to give this guy the amount of airtime uh, that I think AEW could. So I'm excited for it. All right, let's get into the feedback here. Do you want to start things off? Yes. Uh, did we go to the rating? The rating, 8.83 out of 10. So Very good. We go to Chris from Melbourne who says, I'm just going to say this. I love it when a re- weekly wrestling TV show leaves me feeling happy and excited, not confused or frustrated. It's a great thing. Let me do the next one too, John. Noah from Vaughn says... Hangman returning and winning the ladder match was just a perfect end to a really fantastic show. It's really nice to watch a wrestling show that leaves you excited for the next show. And man, am I excited to see what's to come. She didn't deep tore it up and that eight man tag was bonkers. Brian from New Jersey, currently in Philadelphia. Uh, he says, I've waited two years for AEW to return and they did not disappoint. Great opener with the entrances, apparently YouTube exclusive wild main event, albeit with the usual spots of convenience and ladder matches. Called it on Adam Page being the Joker. Thrilled to see him there, along with Punk and Danielson earlier. Energetic crowd. Uh, goes on to say, uh, nice to see two of the best women on the roster get time, and I love the finish. Dark Elevation had appearances by Crowbar and the Blue Meanie, and before the show, waiting outside the venue, I saw Punk walk his dog Larry around the building and pick up his poop. Happy Wednesday. That's quite the sight. There you go. The precursor of tables ladders and shit Mm-hmm. interesting cool we got to aaron from brampton who says maybe i'm out of the loop but i don't get why the pinnacle needed to wear hoods when they ambushed darby allen it didn't really add anything to the ambush i think it is merely done to set up like their de- denial story yeah later. because in storyline they commandeered a camera and attacked someone and they should be they should be fined and suspended and they're gonna have to prove that it was them yeah, yeah. I did also find it a bit awkward. Like, you know, when in wrestling history have we seen a sort of an unnecessary hooding or maybe or like, you know, masking when when it comes to like these backstage attacks. But uh, I think they'll follow through with it. Do you ever think AEW could book a feud between CM Punk and Dan Lambert stable? Or do you think they should keep Punk's name far away from anything related to MMA? I personally feel like there could be an intriguing story there. I don't see any reason why you could not do that. I think at some time, like they will bring up his his MMA stuff. Like that's that's good material for for a heel. And Punk mm-hmm. can have an equally uh, strong rebuttal uh, coming back about what MMA taught him. It's I, I would absolutely use that for material later. Yeah, this is not an octagon. You know, you're in my arena now. This is my sport. Um, I'd be interested in seeing a sort of war war of words between CM Punk and Dan Lambert. John from Baltimore, just watched the show live and in person. Hangman's return was the loudest reaction I've ever heard in person. That was an amazing moment, even after I didn't think anything would top CM Punk cutting a promo about cheesesteaks in Philly. At least from inside the arena, the show didn't seem too rushed, but I also didn't have to pay attention to the video packages. Besides the obvious names, Luchasaurus got the biggest pops for his spots in the 8-man. 
You there know, was I, a lot, I, there was a lot on this show, but I didn't find it like my my head was spinning as some dynamites can leave you. Me neither. I thought they gave plenty of time for a lot of like the major moments to really sink in. I did not feel like the show was rushed. Even the end here with Paige winning, like there there were several moments where he was just there to like pose with the belt, and we could all celebrate it. They didn't just go off air, and a uh, lot of promo time too to break up the matches. Mm-hmm. Like you got quite a lot of promos on this show. I thought the show was paced well. We go to Mark, who says, in the last 60 days, we've seen AEW debut Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, and CM Punk. We've seen dream matches, sold-out stadiums, and so much great action. But nothing is as fulfilling as seeing Hangman return tonight and knowing where the story is headed. To me, that speaks to what is so special about AEW and Dynamite's short history. Knowing it is a show and company that aims to satisfy their audience. Knowing you as a viewer can invest emotionally and with your time and be rewarded. A perfect way to celebrate two years. Kate writes, I think that anyone who thought that Hangman Page had been forgotten and that audiences wouldn't care when he came back should find some paper, roll it up, and give themselves a little smack. Having him as the Joker was absolutely the right decision, and it gives them a workaround to get him the title shot. It also gives them a way to have Kenny drag his feet until full gear, trying to get out of the match by saying that Hangman shouldn't have been eligible. The feuds between the wrestlers in the latter match gave some excuses for them to go after each other rather than just trying to win. I thought Archer choosing not to win but to stay so he could fight Moxley felt very much in character for him. As someone who's been critical of the handling of the women's division, I'm happy about the introduction of a new title, but I'm even happier to see that the tournament to crown the first winner will be getting TV time rather than being shunted off exclusively to YouTube. And given that they really need more female heels, the booking of the women's match was perfect. Okay, we go to Muggin who says, Dynamite started hot and ended hot. The eight-man tag was bonkers. Daniel Garcia's become a pretty in, de- pretty in demand as of late. Going from Moxley to Suzuki and now to Punk. Yeah, what a, man, what a, what a year he, that guy has had. Oh my god, Moxley, Suzuki, and Punk. The inclusion of a secondary women's title is another step forward for the women's roster. Deeb versus Sheeta was solid with Deeb denying Sheeta her big 50th victory. Alright, the clock is now ticking on Omega's Reign of Terror. Okay, let's go down to uh, Jay from Colorado. The card for tonight's show was stacked. It delivered. It wasn't a perfect show. There was some awkwardness, botches, and broken microphones. But none of that mattered because the wrestling was great, the promos were on point, and the stories were thoughtfully told inside and outside of the ring. I have more than enough reason to tune in on Friday, and every night they asked me to. I'll end with this. If I had to choose one MVP for the last two years of wrestling on TNT... It would be the entirety of AEW. The entire organization has been top-notch from the top all the way down. As a wrestling fan, I couldn't be more thankful for AEW and every single person in it. Without it, I probably wouldn't be watching wrestling right now. Alrighty. Uh, Okay. I think that's it. Or uh, maybe we go one more here. MJ from NJ says, What a show. The opener of the Jericho segment, the return of the anxious millennial cowboy. Great in-ring throughout the night. Another week, another amazing crowd. Their hype is infectious to the viewer at home. Did I plan on going to Miami for Rampage Dynamite on a Friday or Saturday night? No. Am I going to wind up going? Probably. Tickets are $35. I cannot think of a more fun night out than going to one of these shows. And this is after being at All Out and Grand Slam. Each week, it looks like an awesome atmosphere. These weekly shows feel like events the likes of other promotions do not. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. Thanks for the feedback. And that brings to a close another edition of Rewinded Dynamite, the award-winning Rewinded Dynamite. What awards have we won? Um, I haven't figured them out yet, but I'm sure there have been many. Really? I don't know. 
I don't think we've won any awards, but I don't know how many awards there are for uh, Dynamite Review Podcasts out there. So I think we deserve one, though, no, either way. Well, we are going to be back. Way is here Thursday night, 10 Eastern. I look forward to your takes on the final what if. Uh, it's going to continue, is it not? Next season. Oh, there is another season. Okay, well, that's mm-hmm. great. Uh, Friday night, we will be live after SmackDown and Rampage. And then Saturday, G1. How, how are you going to do this way? Are you going to just like stockpile these G1 shows and watch them in one sitting? No, I'm going to take your tactic. I think I'll be watching every single week or every single day. Um, but we will be saving them podcasting and discussion for Saturday. That is right. So there you go. G1 coverage continues Saturday. And Sunday, once again, the NWA podcast will drop on the free feed uh, for everybody with Chris Ely, Nate Milton, and Andrew Thompson chatting all of the latest news and sharing their thoughts on the past month. So catch all of that great stuff. Postwrestling.com is where you can go and um, subscribe to the YouTube channel. What are you missing out on? Everything. A chance to see what we look like when we speak. What more could you ask for? On that note, goodbye.